0: Music dance experience. Don't pervert a handbook passage to me, okay? You are listening to a Lorehounds Plus Properly Howard production. Today we're covering episode three of the first season of Severance. Do please check out thelorehounds.com to see all of the good programming happening over with John and David. Without further ado, here is stand-up comic Steve Osborne. So did you watch Severance Episode 3? I did. In Perpetuity? Mm-hmm. How you liking this rewatch? How you feeling?
1: Uh... It's good. I'm glad I'm doing it for sure. Um, Cause uh, most of my memories are later episodes.
0: Yeah. You almost forgot how important PD was.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause like I, I really want to see it all kind of connect again because um, yeah, like we talked about it. I've always felt like the PD episodes were a whole other season before or something.
0: He's sort of a canary in a coal mine. I mean, that's kind of how he functions for the story, right? Right. And I just was, like, fascinated with his map. Like, I don't know if you... Did you look at his map at all? Yeah. So let's just do this now. Okay. So his map, it's almost like a child has drawn it.
1: (laughs) Right. I think it gives... um... So that's so that's an interesting part of it, too. Right. I mean, at at the point that he's making this map. Yeah, he's uh, he's reintegrated. Right. He's
0: making a second map. But then at the end of this episode, Mark finds the map that he was making before he was
1: reintegrated. Is that right? Or is that because he was going in and out while he was reintegrated? Oh,
0: that, that might be the case.
1: So the question was like, because on one hand, I I think when I initially saw this, I kind of thought of it as, um, like that was sort of the childlike quality of them, and that might be why the map was drawn that way. <laughs> well, the other thing, but is then now I'm said... wondering, I now I'm just wondering if it's because his brain is broken. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> well, here's the other thing about it: he says that once he's reintegrated, his life is running parallel in a weird way because. He can remember back to his five-year-old birthday party, but it that corresponds to his first day at Lumen, right? So, is this like is this like what a five-year-old would draw?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, because I mean, it's he's not well.
0: <laughs> no.
1: no, I think I'm going going on a limb and say that.
0: If you ever want to depict a crazy person on screen, um bleeding out of the nose with no attempt to wipe it off
1: yeah right i mean cons- c- yeah because i mean i'm in constant concern that i have like a booger showing
0: <laughs> yeah if, if you whether have- i
1: feel it or not i just i'm like you know what it's time to take a little facial inventory you know like if i feel something for sure i'm going to be obsessed with it and then make everybody else obsessed with their nose because i'm for me it's you know
0: it's the nose hair it's like i i just I just I'm positive I've got a nose hair that's just oh yeah just dying to get out, see the world.
1: Yeah, so the idea that if I was actively bleeding out of my nose and not doing anything, you can pretty much assume I'm insane.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, here are the things that are on the map. All right, and we know a few of these already. So O and D, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the break room we've met. Uh, Wellness we've met. And the Perpetuity Wing, which we see in this episode, right? Uh, yes. Then there's something called the Coil of Doom, which is near the Perpetuity Wing. So, Coil of Doom. Any, any, thought? <laughs> any thoughts? Excited about that. <laughs>
1: Excited about a Coil of Doom. Um, I mean, it's a great name for almost anything. Yeah, I'm you like, know, it's a roller coaster or, uh, you know, a bowel movement. Um, it's just almost, <laughs> um, then there's this big,
0: what looks like maybe a microchip he's drawn on there and it just says mind. Yeah. Yeah. So AI, what, what are we, what are we dealing with here?
1: Right. Like we, we get, re- like we get revealed this within the perpetuity wing like this. <laughs> kind of Hall of Presidents, yeah, uh, type approach, right? And yeah. so, like, it it, it does feel, um, while it's all you know pre-recorded, we assume, but it, all, it does also sort of feel artificial intelligency, right? I mean, like, it just kind well, of feels also, like a, like a HAL component.
0: Yeah, like maybe Kier uploaded his consciousness to. I, I mean, there's just the possibilities are endless with this show. All right, so then he writes. Some people might live here, and I think this is a reference earlier in the episode where to where he's talking about, you know, there might be people that just never leave. Right. All right. So the only other thing that he has written on this that I didn't quite get was, there's, I think it's kind of scribbled on there, but I think it's MDR. Does that ring any bells for you? MDR?
1: Well, that's a macro data refinery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Very good.
0: All right. All right. Let me let me go ahead and start with uh, the synopsis here. PD recovers from his slip in the shower and then scores a new robe. He experiences more cognitive doubling Then he tells Mark that mysterious benefactors have helped him undergo the reintegration procedure. Are you a robe guy? I am. Do Do you have more than one robe?
1: No, I probably well. Do you need a new robe? Uh, no, I have a new robe. It's a great robe for now, but it's going to be. I think it's going to be a problem in the summer.
0: Were you a robe guy before COVID?
1: Oh uh, yeah, I had a robe. I've had a robe for a while, but like, uh-huh. um, I'm uh, I'm known, I'm known to robe. <laughs> Do you, you strike me as a robe. I guy. used to
0: be a robe guy. Haven't owned a robe oh, for he's, many he's, a
1: year. I Many a year. Yeah. Really, yeah. my son. What changed for you? Uh, I,
0: I might have lost the robe. I I don't, I don't really. So it. Yeah, just people,
1: it was a family robe, and it was like, wow, well, I'm not ready to restart. It's
0: my favorite robe. Nothing's ever going to compare to that robe. Uh, my <laughs> son's a big robe guy. He will wear, uh, you know, pajama pants, no T-shirt, and a robe, and he'll just walk around like that.
1: Is that uh, just because he got used to that after he was in the hospital from gritty and it's so hard?
0: <laughs> even before, even before he went to the ER for hitting the gritty, he um he would wear he would just wear it out. Like I, I was driving home one day and I just saw some guy walking on the road at ten o'clock at night, and I was thinking that guy's freaking crazy. There's a crazy person on my street. And I pulled up, and it was my son. <laughs> he, <laughs> He was wearing a robe with no T shirt ten o'clock at night. And I I immediately had one of those moments where I like became my dad. And I immediately thought, You can't do that. People will think you're crazy. <laughs> that's a t- total thing my dad would be worried about. Yeah, so that's his that's his life.
1: <laughs> okay. Mm. I like that. I like the idea that uh he's kind of Nick Nolte from down mm-hmm. and out in Beverly yeah. Hills. But Petey does mm-hmm. that a little
0: bit. Pete, Pete goes. Yeah. He's he's outside with the robe. Uh, now, do you just wear your robe around the house, or do you do you ever go outside? I don't go to work
1: on it. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I let the dogs out. Okay, in my robe. So the neighbors uh, get. I, to I see don't. Ah, uh, if yeah, I mean my 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 deck is kind of high, so they 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 get a they probably get a taste. I um, I don't go to the mailbox in my robe
0: that's that's the line you draw that line you do not go because that's the front of your house
1: well it's like out down the road yeah so and i don't want to be mistaken for your son or or pd no of
0: course not
1: no i um and i mean i'll be honest i mean and i think the listeners are are begging for more details uh about this specific topic Uh but i uh i've been i mean most of the time if i'm in a robe that's it you're done for the day well, I mean, I'm saying that's all I'm wearing.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I thought you were like, nope, sorry, I can't take out the trash.
1: I Can't do anything if the robe if the is robe on. The on. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it's like my cloak of invisibility. At, uh, mm-hmm. Just in terms of chores. So no, that's I, just yeah, for so you. It's, just... it's
0: like it, it's sort of like either in the buff. It's like one step up from being in the buff.
1: Yeah, the robe is protecting the world.
0: <laughs> I'm glad.
1: Because the world yeah, is so not giving up. you consent, sir. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm just a robe away, world. I'm
0: just a robe away. All right. Um, so this is when we find out that the relativity is messed up with Petey. He got reintegrated, but for some reason, his you know his five year old birthday party is now parallel with his first day at Lumen. So, in addition to kind of feeling that all of that doubling and hallucination. He's just, his timeline's messed up.
1: Yeah. And so how long, and so the reintegration's been, he's had it for, for a little bit. I forget exactly. We how. don't
0: know how soon after or how soon before his dismissal or his, you know, his quitting or whatever, he actually got the procedure done. Mm. But right, yeah, it's it's hard to, hard to really know on that point.
1: Kind of fascinating, the, the two worlds, right? I mean, Mark Mark's innie is really shaken up by the absence of Petey, whereas Mark's Audi is very shaken up by the presence of Petey.
0: That's right. And in addition to that, we learn that Mark's Audi is uh, like grieving the loss, loss of his wife, right? Mm. And what Petey reveals is he has a certain melancholy when he's in the office as well. So to me that sounds like not severed memory but kind of repressed memory or something. Like he he mm-hmm. knows that there's something to be sad about. He just doesn't have a, a you know, he doesn't have the specific memory to know why he's he's
1: melancholy. Which mean, makes I wonder if that also makes him prone to to connection. Say more. Well, like he's you know, he's the, he's the one who seems to be the most concerned or or you know, focused on on having a friend Mm, mm. and um and i wonder if that has something to do with with that that need that lack that he comes in with that he doesn't really know what it's about and he doesn't he doesn't Uh, know melancholy really but it's it's just still driving it
0: so he's got a wife shaped hole in his heart and he's trying to fill it with Petey or whatever just trying to
1: cram Petey in it yeah. yeah
0: interesting all right next uh next little bit while Mark is at work, his sister Devon and his brother-in-law Rick can deliver a book authored by the latter to his doorstep, which Miss Selvig steals and takes to Lumen to check for hidden messages. As she searches Mark's house, Petey recognizes her as Cobell and flees the house. I, I want to talk a little bit about this book, but before I do, my major conundrum from this episode is trying to understand... Cobell's motives. Right. At one point, she's peeking through her window to spy on Mark. And as far as we know, no one's around. And she kind of says, oh, Mark, are you okay? Right. As if she's really concerned with Mark. Does Mrs. Cobell or Mrs. Selvig or whatever, does she actually care about Mark? Because every other indication is that she, she views him as a specimen or a dog to be kicked or something
1: yeah well i i think both are true right i mean it's like there's cuz i this whole this whole show is about split right i mean it's all about you know the like two versions of people um and and we've seen her um you know be like she she portrays one way right like this sort of atheist Mm-hmm. Uh, in in Lumen, but then she has this version of her that's you know raised Catholic, mm-hmm. and she sort of leans on that. And and we're not entirely sure which is the act, right? I mean, or and beyond that, we're not sure. Like, are they both acts? Or, at this point, I'm leaning into elements? like
0: they're both acts. At this point, I, I I really don't understand what motivates her at all.
1: Yeah. So when when she's so in in Lumen, she uh, and we you know we see it pretty. Blatantly, in this episode, is like really treats him as like a, a you know, as that sort of experimental object. Like, I'm gonna do this and then see how he reacts, and uh, treat him very uh, curtly. Um, but then you know, and that and that's in line with her character that's in in Lumen, and then but behind closed doors, if she's if she's still playing this character of um, you know, Mrs. Selvig, that person would have that kind of compassion. Right. But I bet it, but there's nothing that she's seen that we can tell that would, would make her think that something's wrong with Mark, but she's also watching him all the time. So we don't know, like there's something about what he's doing that not uh, just watching him,
0: breaking into his house and taking his stuff.
1: Right. And so, and so she's troubled by something and, uh, and so you just wonder if there's a if there's a part of her that is like like let's you know I I almost kind of lean towards she might be that other person the, she might be the out outer mm-hmm. version of herself mm-hmm. to some degree and then she's she knows her discipline she knows what she has to do when she's working but she knows what that is doing to Mark overall because she sees the whole picture of Mark right like she's one of the only people she's in fact she's the only person that we're aware of in the entire uh, you know, unless, I mean, obviously there may, there may be more to Lumen and what uh, kind of observations are happening in the outside world, but, like, as far as we know, she's the only person that sees Mark, because Mark doesn't see himself in mm. both worlds. She does. So she sees him kind of in total. So Well, so she kind we, of parallels
0: she... Petey in that sense, because Petey just recently gained that ability, right?
1: True, true. Um, But she sees it from even a different perspective than Petey does, because Petey sees it within the Confines of the experiment or whatever it is, where she sees, she sees what the effects are happening directly, um and she could kind of push those buttons, right? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe, maybe it wasn't so much what she was seeing at that moment, but just in general, she might have been giving sort of a, a poor mm-hmm. mark.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Rickon's book book here. So, this is...
1: can't get enough Rickon. Rickon is such a <laughs> Bananas character,
0: (laughs) I love this actor. I don't know his name, but I've seen him in a a few things, and I think he's fantastic. The book is called "The You You Are," (laughs) and one of the (laughs) chapter one of the chapter titles is "Learning to Be Emotionally Nude in Front of My Wife." (laughs) 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 Um, and I my my sense is you know after seeing his and Devin's interactions. My sense is that Devin would like a little bit less emotional nudity.
1: Right. (laughs) You know, this episode is uh, really something um, in how humorous it is uh, for an extended period of time and how uh, how dark it becomes and finishes. (laughs) I really like that. That's I mean, it's. You know, it's it goes to like we talked about, just like the theme of the show and the uh, and with the concept really are just so well married together because it is the unsettling of like just two things happening will happen in the same episode. Right. (laughs) And it's both entertaining and and funny. And then it's also like really upsetting. And it's like it, it does a good job of disarming to to have those types of effects.
0: Yeah, very very well placed, subtle humor in this episode. So far, we've we are encountered kind of two forms of literature in this show. The first is the Lumen Handbook, and in the previous episode, like Irv said, Irv says something like, "Don't pervert the hand the handbook to me," you know, right? <laughs> uh, so it's almost like it's sacred text. You know, the handbook is sacred text, and it seems like the purpose of the Lumen Handbook is to create a kind of a collective identity. You know, here, here's who we are as Lumen. Here's who we are as, you know, inheritors of Keir Egan here, you know, who are we as, as we exist together in this company. Whereas the self-help book is kind of about the individual. It's like the you,
1: you are. You know, right, it's pretty on. The it's nose.
0: very individualistic, right? And so it's almost you know, and then you see Milchik kind of like flipping through the pages and scoffing at the book, and it's almost like that kind of individuality is almost subversive and maybe seen as dangerous.
1: Sure. In Milchick's defense, I, I mean. Rickon did write it. Uh. <laughs>
0: no, I'm I'm with Milchick on this. I, I, <laughs> I if, if look if I'm gonna hang out and have beers with someone, it's not gonna be Rickon. It's it's gonna be <laughs> no. Milchick every single time. So I, you know, I, clearly he's he's got issues of his own, but it's a little goofy to me because number one. It's kind of over the top, bizarre for someone like Irv to view a uh, employee handbook as sacred text, right? Mm-hmm. It's also kind of goofy, over the top, bizarre for something like this book by Rickon to have an effect on anyone, right? Because right? it's just goofy. well, and
1: I think, and I think that that's what that's what kind of helps with this, like the the show is really. Uh, it really does a great job of, of kind of getting your attention into one thing. Right. right? Like, so, so PD becomes like a real central focus in these few episodes. Right. And we, then we talk about how, like on the rewatch, we kind of forgot about it. And um, so it's really like, there's a lot of sleight of hand that is helpful during the rewatch for me to go, you know, there's a lot of like, like we talked about the dinner party from uh, episode Mm -hmm. one uh, and how weird it was and, And like both worlds seem bizarre. Yeah. And so, you know, and and so, so right out the gate, you have an interesting choice that's made where it's not like there's a normal world and then there's Lumen. There's like, ah, boy, which one would I rather be? in? (laughs) I don't know, you know, and obviously we're going through a lot of Mark's lens, Mm -hmm. but, but then, you know, then there's this Rickon character who exists, which is fine, but he doesn't just exist. Like he's, he's married to Mark's very seemingly normal sister. Uh And, and she seems like not always very impressed with them, but like that's, she's having a baby with them, you know? So, and it's, so there doesn't seem to be like any animosity between them. It's just that she's just kind of unimpressed. So, so sort of brings us to like, how, how did that happen? Well, it's, it could be one of these things
0: where it's like, yeah, I kind of realize that this guy's a little bit, he's a little bit like a child in a lot of ways, but he's mm-hmm. so earnest about it that it's kind of attractive.
1: Perhaps, right? I mean, but that, but so it just creates a, and then, but the idea that he is somebody that would be contributing to society with that type of literature. <laughs> it's, and so it's kind of unclear at this point. It's like, well, what's his status?
0: I gotta look at right.
1: his actor's like, name. He he just like like is like because his status makes a difference, right? Like if he's if he's respected in this field, then this world is weird. Like weirder than we may have realized. Um, you know, if he's just doing a one-off and it's just his own thing, okay, that's fine. You know, but like so that just creates these little these little questions about what is this world and how big is it? Is it the big world or is it a smaller world? And so I mean, you know, like it does, the questions. Yeah, if you were going, questions like, coming up about Lumen housing and everything, and you go, well, wait, is like, is this all an experiment?" Like, that's kind of the question that.
0: Yeah, comes I up. think that like, I'm leaning in that direction. I feel like
1: this. This is the episode I think where that really starts to to hit, and I think it's the first time I watched it. It started to like plant the seed of like, "Well, wait a minute, is it all Lumen?"
0: It's all Lumen all the way down.
1: And that's an interesting concept too, because. Well, is that what Petey thinks? Like when he when Petey says, "There's people that live there all the time." It's like, well, maybe this is the yeah, thing. that's right.
0: That, yeah, maybe yeah. that is. <clears throat> I, I hadn't considered that. Uh, Michael Chernus is the actor.
1: Uh, <laughs> He's great.
0: Fantastic. I loved him. I don't know if you ever saw um, the uh, the Patriot. Yeah, uh, he was in that. Uh, he was in Spider-Man Homecoming. Huh. Anyway, I like that guy. Okay, next storyline here. At the office, Helly learns that her resignation request has been sent to her Audi and has been denied. Mark thwarts her various attempts to smuggle messages out to her Audi. This is when we learned that there's bad soap, the grand... <laughs> <laughs> Greener may have to use the bad soap if she writes on her skin. Uh, she's just a slave at this point. I mean, she's yeah. she's realized I can't leave, and not only am I a slave myself, my Audi is one of the people that has enslaved me. Right. Uh, this is like some kind of personal hell.
1: I just think, I mean, and I think that's, it's a part that gets um, lost sometimes even by myself. Like, cause I just love the show and I love examining it and trying to think of what's going to go on next. And it's like, it's, it's good to stop every once in a while and just think about how bonkers it is to have the idea that I'm like, I'm miserable. And the reason why I'm miserable is because what I'm doing to myself, and i mean again and, and psychologically there's a lot of ways you can kind of like draw parallels and just in terms of like what people do to uh, not you know whether it's lack of self care or, or living for others or whatever it may be being in an abusive relationship like like a lot of times we can or be sticking the, with the a re- job you hate right for
0: years for whatever reason right
1: Right. Because it's either the right thing to do or you just, you know, what else am I going to do? It's too late. You know, all those different things, like the the different choices we make. um, And and here, it's like it's an explicit way to just say, and whose fault Mm -hmm. is it? Well, it is. It's my fault, but it's not the me that wants to be out. It's the me that feels the need to stay.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think if you were going to if you're really going to press the metaphor, it's like. There were a few decisions that I made as a very young man in my early 20s uh related to career choice that I cannot undo. And right. those sent me on a trajectory and uh I my past self absolutely did enslave my
1: mm-hmm.
0: older self with those decisions.
1: No, I and mean, I think that that's a great point. I mean, I, I think about it all the time, like, I could certainly do something new, but I'm going to have a hard, hard time paying the bills for the things that I have now. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole idea, like, like uh, I remember uh, starting comedy late, and, you know, so many comedian friends are just sort of like, this is the trajectory we want to go on in order to do it, you kind of have to live a little bit differently. And it's like, well, I can do that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, the only way I could do that is if I just you know, told the family and just, hey, we're not going to uh, live here. We're not going to own these things. We're not going to eat the same way because uh, daddy's got a dream, right? You know, and it's, it'd have been different if you start that way and then you get used to that lifestyle. And then uh, if you don't want to raise a family along that, that's, that's, you know, what those, you know, what the guardrails yeah. are. Um, and so, yeah, with the job, like, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty great, uh, I love that it's a workplace environment for this too. I mean, uh, because then that critique is just so apt. So
0: the meta commentary here is just, it's it's a little bit too blatant, but once you're in the story, it kind of blends, right? It's not like you're constantly thinking about it.
1: Well, and that's, I think, again, I think goes back to, uh, we're talking about the credit that um, Ben Stiller deserves for being able to, to balance so much of this. And that's the thing is, is it's almost impossible to not have the meta commentary. Like, I don't know how you could do it without it, right? Because the concept and the execution almost have to, to allow for that. So knowing that, you do run the risk of, of like eye roll moments mm-hmm. or like, okay, yeah, I get it. But he does, he's so adept at moving things along, uh, tweaking characters, adding humor, uh, even just... Angle choices, music choices, to sort of just keep you en- engrossed in it while that so it so the obvious falls in the background, which I think is 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 uh, a real uh, a real trick that he's yeah, pulling off. Yeah,
0: really, really good. To help Helly understand why she is working at Lumen, Irving suggests that they show her the office's perpetuity wing. Mark visits Cobell's office to get permission, and then Cobell has an odd exchange with the board. Um, so she tosses her mug at him <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, it's, 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 a, it's almost like a very apathetic abuser, you know, yeah. you know, are you going to, are you going to make me throw this mug at you? It's, well, it's, and I like
1: the idea of, uh, like she's acting as if she has no agency, Well, which is, which is, which Almost like she gives, she gives him the false sense of, of power. Yeah. Right, right, right. You are making me do this. I don't want to throw this mug at you, but you've left me no It's all kinds of so, evil.
0: It's all kinds of, which it was right. really.
1: For a, for a, for a guy who has zero agency in this place <laughs> by design. Well, in
0: addition to that. To
1: sit there and, and treat him yeah. like, oh, well, you know, you made me do that. It's like, it's such like, it's so abusive. It's very
0: abusive. And then door opened or closed both i mean oh my gosh just
1: well and also like again like these are like there's so many of these moments and like that is it's it's going i'm going to go right back to what uh like we're kind of praising stiller for is like well he does this both scene and it's like and it's it's humorous and it's also uh unnerving but it's another example of this split Mm -hmm. Like, cause he, this whole concept of the reintegration, the concept of separate, like, nope, you're both. Yeah. 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 You're, you, you, you are, which means and if you're both, you're neither. That's right. You're living in you're a paradox, paradox open, which north. is exactly what's happening yeah. to
0: Mark. He's living in this paradox.
1: Yeah. Uh, she
0: has this interaction with the board, which kind of shows that she's kind of a rat in the maze as well. Like she presents to Mark as if she's in charge, but in reality, there's really no interaction uh, with the board. We do meet Natalie, but she's sort of as stone-faced as anyone else. And they seem almost affronted by even the suggestion that reintegration is even possible.
1: Right. Yeah, that's an, so that's... Because w- now we're getting a, a glimpse on this, what we consider the inside but it, it's to me that's the going back to what we we're talking about with the um you know is this world big is this world small mm-hmm. um we' we see we we get a, a glimpse of a limitation that that Cobell has and um, even though she's aware of the project and even though we know she's fully aware of the project in both worlds yeah. so she's not she's not severed as far as we can tell of any sort right I mean because she's she's living two lives on purpose. But so you feel like, well, she's she's uh, kind of the the big brother, but not really. <laughs> you know, she's, she's there's another yes. there's at least one layer, at least one layer, at, at least and, one layer.
0: And then the question is, what is her job? Is her job just to monitor Mark and his employees? Is that her entire job or is that like just one little aspect of what her job description is?
1: And how many other COBELs are there? that's right. Because we don't, I mean, obviously we only see a little bit of her, but like we get to see two interactions with the board. And this is about, and and her, it's very clear that she needs to get her uh, macro data refinement numbers. (laughs) They didn't talk about O&D. You know, they didn't talk about anything else. So you don't get the sense that, I mean, you get the idea that, this is her this is the department she's responsible for. So is like Milchek only responsible for this too is he got like it, it, there's so like these are the types of things like the more you find out the more you go, well now I have a lot of other questions. Right.
0: And I think this goes, comes back to like one of the earliest questions we asked and I'll reframe it in this way and that is are these people important? Like is someone like Mark or someone like Dylan or someone like Irv are these people important to lumen because you would mm-hmm. you might you might answer like well they're cogs in a machine and they're you know they're being treated like slaves and you can easily like take one person out and plug another person in or it could be that the entire project is them like they are being observed right. uh, they're they're being tested so that they can roll out this you know this procedure on the you know, for a billion dollar industry or something like that. So is Cobell's job important? Is is she, is she doing cleanup that PD's gone? Or is it like if PD gets out, the whole thing is, is shot. I I don't understand how these people are even viewed by the corporation.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you would think that there would be a higher sense of urgency about the PD thing. I mean, it feels like they're concerned, but like, not a, not a ton.
0: Right. They, they, yeah. They're, they're tasking her with finding Petey. She's at work all day. So. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little, there's a lot to answer. There's a lot to answer. Um, <clears throat> Natalie. Okay. So Natalie is sort of the face of the institution, right? So far. Right. And we've also seen her on television.
1: Is that right? Right. So Yeah, we just saw her in this episode. Right.
0: Yeah. So I'm not I'm not really sure what more we can say about her at this point, except to say that she's sort of like the chief propagandist.
1: But not not only that, but she clearly has a relationship with the board that Cobell does not.
0: She does. And the propaganda isn't just for the media. It has to be repeated by all Lumen employees. Like, there's no such thing as reintegration. Severance is permanent. Right. We don't. We don't even give lip service to this kind of stuff. Uh, so, anyway, another another curiosity about this company. Um, all right, let's talk about the perpetuity wing. Are you a museum guy?
1: Not typically.
0: I love. I mean, I guess it depends on the kind of museum, but I I'm a I'm huge on museums. I love museums. There's a lot of museums that are just horrible. So I I I've got a sort of this weird relationship where, like, I love a really good museum, and I hate a really bad museum. And this is like the worst kind of bad museum. <laughs> Because it's not anything that you're actually looking at that's of historic interest. You're seeing replicas of these former presidents. It's like a a wax museum or something. And you go into this other wing. It's just smiles of people that have been helped by Lumen. This is not connecting you to anything that's real or from the past or anything like that. You don't even know why these people are smiling. You're just seeing... the. You know, the mouth wall or whatever. You're just seeing these people smiling. And then you go into, like, this historic house that's been preserved. But it's a, it's a replica. The whole thing is a replica. So the the whole thing about this, like, being presented as a museum, it's totally fake. The whole thing is fake from start to finish. There's nothing in that perpetuity wing that would give you any kind of connection to the past at all.
1: Yeah, it's just if it's a tribute.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. It's more of a tribute than it is anything else. A tribute to what? You you don't know.
1: Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, there's some great comedy that leads up to this whole journey. I mean, the interactions beforehand with uh, Herb and Dylan regarding – Oh, the muscles! How much money! How much money you can make at a muscle <laughs> show, and how and how the money is is uh divided. It's it's so funny. It's
0: like children. These, these they are absolutely. I mean, well, like it's
1: children. great because it, it, it it's great because there's no the emphasis isn't y- your Audi is probably not doing muscle shows because you don't look like you do muscle shows. It's. If he did muscle shows, why would he have okay, this job?
0: Right, sure.
1: Because <laughs> he'd be making so much money on muscle shows.
0: <laughs> and then the the argument devolves into like, need to work. how? What's the breakdown of the different payouts at the muscle show? Like, right.
1: what, would you win just he's for like, lats, no, it, or would you win for more? It's, 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 a, it's piecemeal, and then it's obviously because biceps would get more. And he's like, I think lats would get more than biceps. Lats would be a more desirable. <laughs> it's. It's so funny.
0: It's it's really great. I had to I had to rewind it a couple times to just to savor it. Um so so <laughs> so Irv's feeling about sort of the outside world it's almost like for Irv, everything is sacred or it's not if it's not sacred, it's not worth talking about. Right. But then he'll be dragged into a conversation like that about muscle shows. Um and So the the other thing... Okay, so here's what I was trying to say with this. How many people do these people know? Like, if you're from Irv's perspective or you're from Dylan's perspective, how many people do you actually know?
1: Right. I mean...
0: Like, you know what? And they have half a dozen people in the world? If that. So it's like... It's bizarre to me that he, like... Like, if I only knew five people and... I met someone else in the hallway that I didn't know very well. I would be kind of curious, like, oh, there's more people
1: <laughs> unless you're Dylan, you just assume that like if they're o and d be, you
0: can't trust him because o and d orchestrated a coup. It's in some distant past.
1: well, that's the other thing is like, where did he get this from? Like, who somebody had to pass that on, right? <laughs> Someone's getting information, like, but they're not. The same information. What? Well, right.
0: Getting. There's also kind of like internal propaganda. You know, that's maybe not in the handbook. Right. So that that was fantastic. I love I love his his. Uh, he, he calls it the mouth wall, and Irv's Herb, Herb's offended that he calls it the mouth
1: wall. Called it the mouth He's wall. Like, oh,
0: yeah. They got, they got rid of the one I really like, the, the chick I like, or something. All right. So I have a question about this. So they go into this museum and there's a wax portion and they're like, all right, here are all the different egans throughout the years. Then Irv says, but then if you go past this point, it's pure cure. So almost if to say that, like, OK, these other egans are kind of important, but now we're finally getting to the heart of the, I don't know, the cult of personality or something
1: yeah it's almost like you're going into the brain like you you're moving through a body and then interesting and the all cure is like the brain
0: well and that would have some kind of connection to the the map we were talking about the the mind that there might be a mind to the building or something very very interesting very interesting i I like that there's a a bingo game there's sort of like a meta game to go if you're gonna go to the perpetuity wing you could
1: well, and that is that is such an office workplace type of thing. So
0: perfect, and they've got to hide it from her. And Herb. it's like, and
1: we, yeah, we see we see a couple of things, right? Like that are very officey, and I think that's really key to keeping this sort of world alive. And it's the like you've got you have these team building exercises, right? Mm-hmm. The egg drop team building with yeah. and it's a team of two, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Build a team for those two
0: right. people. Right. Okay. So th- we saw on the map that there was a wing specifically for team building. Right. So is that what happens there? You do the, the egg, the egg talks.
1: Right. You do the. Yeah. <laughs> so what do they say? Like your eggs are the eggs suck <laughs> or look <eggs> terrible. <laughs> it's just like it derides the eggs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. After attempting another escape, Helia is brought to the break room where Milchick forces her to recite. An apologetic passage repeatedly. Uh, So why do it? If you're Helly, why even why even say it once?
1: I feel like at this point, maybe she's understanding that there's a threat level there. Like there's, it's a pretty unsettling environment, and uh, I mean, you know that there's bad soap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just. Just so like mention, what else? What else is just bad? Just the mention of bad soap does its job. So, and then they've they've got her connected to some kind of lie detector device,
1: and it's like a, it's like almost beyond that, It's almost like a sincerity detector.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a sincerity detector. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, she's going through this confessional, basically, repeating this thing over and over. And I, I think, it you know, the whole thing is meant to break you down psychologically, I think. But I'm thinking,
1: yeah
0: if, if that's me, why even say it once? You know, why, why not just kind of fold your arms? I'm not sure why she plays along.
1: Yeah. And it does make you wonder what would what would the um, punishment have been?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Beyond that.
1: Right. And it's and uh, I don't know, there'd be a part of me that'd be like, well, this is very weird and this is very upsetting. Is there a worse thing? (laughs) Do I do I want to see?
0: Oh, and here's the other thing. At one point, Mark says, look, the code detector in the elevator can sense things that are inside your body as well. And it's mill job to, you know, get it out. Do you think that there's an actual code detector? Because my feeling is that this is just kind of like the kind of thing that they use so that people don't try to bring codes out.
1: If the assumption is that it, it the last time that the elevator flipped out because she had a note was because of the code detector. Well, we also knew that people knew that she had something. Exactly. So... So it could have easily been activated another way. Um, yeah, it's unclear, right? And But I mean, but that's just the, the... the So that's an interesting thing, too. Like, for us, we might say that doesn't seem plausible. But if you were born in that place, essentially. Well,
0: all right, um, the technology continues to baffle me because this is a society, I suppose, that has mastered neuroscience in a way that we have not, Right. Right. And yet when they're going through the confessional they're using these old-timey devices. They're using like a cassette player. Yeah. Like their computers look like they're from the early 80s. So there's two different levels of technology in in addition to there being two different levels of a lot of things in the show.
1: Right. Yeah, and it so uh, I guess you can furnish it, however, you choose. So it does it does bring up like that feels like a bit of a clue that says whatever it is they're actually doing um, does not require the type of technology that they're capable of like it almost feels like they're given toys Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's kind of accurate.
1: Like it's like it's like the Fisher Price yeah. version of all sure, this stuff sure. <laughs> because it's like they're just collecting these numbers somehow. And it's like, it doesn't, I mean, whatever they're doing doesn't require uh, anything advanced. It's just really just a keyboard. That's kind of, that's an it. So it is interesting. So it does sort of bring up the, we know that, you know, even if this is not our world, we know that this world has some pretty advanced technology.
0: Yeah. Like finger traps. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's it's because uh, we've seen because the operation, we saw the operation that looked pretty, um, pretty advanced. <laughs> so we know that that exists,
0: and it's, this um, is a world where like they've got this technology that's even suggestive of some kind of higher AI or something like that, but they're really worried about this self help book. The self-help book may might tear it all down somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all
0: right. So in the process of replacing the office photos, uh, Mark discovers Petey's map. I think we've talked about the map a bit. Do you want to say anything more about that?
1: No, I think we're good on that.
0: Clever way to, to send something to Mark by Petey. You know, you know, you know, right. it's policy to change the photos there's not many places you can actually hide anything. Right. Uh, so he, he finds a pretty clever way to get that to, to Mark. After a shift, Mark follows ambulance traffic to the convenience store and witnesses PD being carried away by paramedics after his breathing stops. Mark rushes home to remove to remove evidence of Petey's stay, but is interrupted when Petey's abandoned cell phone rings. Um, so you said something earlier that I thought was interesting. You said that Helly is kind of coming to the realization that there's she might be in more danger than she is suspected earlier. I mm-hmm. feel like that's what this episode kind of does. By the end of this... Mark seems to finally realize that he might be in danger. Uh, but when right. he sees that thing happen to PD, he thinks maybe PD was on to something here. And, right. And I, I, I mean, I guess there's something, if if you're looking from any Mark's perspective, Helly's determined effort to leave an inability to do so has to kind of give you some kind of pause i would imagine
1: right like it because it's even if you've gotten yourself used to it even if you have convinced yourself for whatever reason that that this is just is life and this is for the greater good mm-hmm. or at least for my audi's greater good um constantly having to say something over and over again to somebody sort of forces you to think about it right and he's he's having to constantly warn her about all these things and it, like all these things maybe in and of themselves are, are, are troubling. But when you have to, when you, when you're like day after day, having to recite all the things that could go wrong yeah. and that could be punishment. And you there might be a point where you're just like, geez, where do I work? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get to a point where you're like, I had to, I just referred to bad soap. I referred to extracting codes out of somebody's body. Um, you know, i I see this person who's willing to to do whatever it takes to get out of here. Um it, it, that, that would sort of like at some point go like, well, do should I get out of here? <laughs> uh, um
0: anything more about this before we uh jump into spoilers.
1: I think I think we'd cover okay. Like, so to... shut this
0: off if you don't want spoilers. So <laughs> A couple of things that I just just noticed in this episode. So, this idea that Cobell Cobell's final motivations, which kind of baffled me, this episode. Later on, we learn that Cobell gets fired, and she try, she like frantically tries to help Mark in some way. Right. So, it seems like the put on or the, the bigger act is that she is sort of playing the part of an overbearing abusive boss at work. Right. Um, And in reality, she and Mark have a lot more in common than, than, uh, than she and the board have in common.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and then that sort of brings up like the whole, how does, how does one get there? Right. How did, what's her backstory?
0: and is she ever has she ever been severed
1: right well that's the other part right like is there is there a post severance or is this you you just don't know right i mean i it, it, because um, if
0: this whole this whole town is a bubble where everyone's kind of playing a part maybe all of the town folk are on some level severed
1: right like maybe there's a third like a third right. version yeah Because because that's because that's the thing is when you get to the end, because like of this series, you're like, well, what in the world is going to happen now? (laughs) You know, and and like, how do you like, how do you do it? Like, how do you get out of this? And it's like, is there a switch to flip? Is it can you resever? Can you like all those things kind of come to mind? Um, And. And it's like, it's, and that's, what's so crazy about the show. Like I said, like all of a sudden we'll, we'll kind of forget about PD. Like PD is an afterthought when you realize what you needed from PD to get to where you're at, but then it almost feels like the whole season will kind of do that. Cause now I'm like, well, what happens next in this sort of parallel options sort of makes you forget about some of the other stuff that we have all these questions for that are not going to be answered. So it just, it's, it's a lot. And, uh, and I'm excited for it. But at the same time, it's like, it's amazing how uh the, you just, as this, as these layers get on, un, un, uh, you know, peel yeah. back, you're, yeah. like, you're on to the next one. You're on to the next one. You're on the next one. so this rewatch is really fun in that regard because it's like, wow, there's a lot. There's so much to keep track of. Okay. So the I am. And, and that it never becomes overburdened with itself is the thing that just shocks me.
0: Well, and it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's both. It's both really dark and really funny, and that's, a, that's what's mm-hmm. hard to pull off. All right, let me just throw a few uh, actors' names out at you. This is on the IMDb, IMDb page, and I'm assuming that several of these are for season two. Gwendolyn Christie, she was Brienne on Game of Thrones. Alia uh, Shawcat, you might remember from Arrested Development.
1: George Michael's, yes, right. So he's
0: George. My she's George Michael's uh, cousin or whatever that he falls in love with. Uh, Merritt Weaver, John Noble, John Noble, you've probably seen from a lot of things, but uh, he was he was Denethor in (laughs) in Lord of the Rings. Bobby Benson, have not Mm. seen him around, uh, but Bob Balaban is. And it oh, yeah. the fray. So uh, in- interesting uh, additions for season two. Looking forward to that.
1: I just saw something as I was scrolling through the IMDB page is that one of the trivia things is computer terminals used by the macro data refinement team have no escape key. Maybe a <laughs> nod to the idea that they there's no escape. It's perfect. <laughs> That's pretty great.
0: <laughs> well, in, in two respects, it means that. You can't ever leave the software. The software is the whole job. You don't have any, any administrative autonomy, right? But then literally you can't escape as well, so. Right. Love me some Dylan, great Dylan episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the muscle show thing, I just think is just
0: brilliant. (laughs) You say something like, my my lats look embarrassingly good. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like this. It's so, they're like, so amazing that you might be embarrassed by it. Oh goodness! <laughs>
1: Such a great thing. And again, this is not a guy like it's a guy we want to watch, but it, for sure you don't want to work with. <laughs> Ranko the Beans.